You know what it is. That's right. It's time to talk money with your money nerd and financial coach. Now, tighten those purse strings and open those ears. It's the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Hey, everyone. I am so excited because I have Jason Brown on the line. Now, Jason's here to talk to us about options. I know a lot of people are interested in options trading, and honestly, I am as well. So, hey, Jason, how are you? Tiff, I'm doing great. I'm excited to uh, be here and share about options. Awesome. Awesome. So let's just hop right into it because that's just how we roll over here. So what is an option? Yeah. So options, for those who don't know what options are, we're talking about options specifically in the stock market because I'm a stocks and options trader. But people deal with options in every facet of their life. So I like to give you an example where people use options in their everyday life and then share with you how it works in the market. But well, let me give them the market definition first. It's the ability to control a stock for a certain period of time at an agreed upon price. So what that simply means is instead of buying Amazon stock, for example, you could say, I want to buy an option and I want the to control or the right to buy Amazon stock for the next 30 days. And so that's an option. There's an asset, which is the stock, which is Amazon. There's a time frame, which in this case is 30 days. It could be all the way up to, I believe, two years with leap options. And then an agreed upon price. And so you're agreeing to buy it at a certain price. So let me give you an example in real life um, that may resonate a little bit better with people. Uh, most people have bought a house or they understand the house buying process. So when you go look at a house and let's just say this house is $200,000, you go look at the house, you say, great, I like the house. I want to buy it. You don't usually just write a check for $200,000. You give a person what's called an earnest money deposit. So you put $2,000 down and they say, okay, for the next 30 days, you can get an inspection, you can get an appraisal. So when you look at it from an option standpoint, we have the asset, which is the house. Okay. We have the agreed upon price. You agree to buy it for $200,000. And then you also have your down payment or your cost of the option, which is $2,000. And you have your time frame, which is 30 days, right? So if you were to get your inspection, get your appraisal, and it's like, good news, this house has appraised for $220,000. You have that house under contract. You have an option contract on that house to buy it for $200,000. You can now turn around and sell it to someone else. He's like, oh, I really wanted that house, but I missed out on it. You say, hey, great. You can buy it for $220,000. Basically, they would give you $20,000 for your option, your piece of paper, and then they would go buy the house for $200,000. So they paid $20,000 for the option contract from you, and they paid $200,000 for the house they got the asset for 220,000. You however was able to control a $200,000 asset for $2,000. You didn't have to have the full 200,000 up front. You only had to have 2,000 to control it for 30 days and when that in price increased in 30 days after the appraisal and inspection, it had equity in it that you could turn around and sell to somebody else who actually wants to live in the house. And so that's how when you're trading stock options, you could take $2,000 and hypothetically turn it into $20,000 in 30 days and get ridiculous returns 
and people are like, how are you making those kind of returns? It's because I controlled the asset versus owning the asset. And if that price increased in that 30 days, I was able to capitalize on it and make a much higher return versus if I had bought the house for 200,000 and only made 20,000, then I would have made 20% or 10%. But by taking 2,000 and making 20,000, I made something like a thousand percent. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense. And honestly, I've never heard anybody explain it in that way. And how you explained it was crisp. Like, I mean, I definitely understand. I never thought about the home buying process and equating that to buying and selling options. So thank you for that. I actually learned something new today. So, oh, go ahead. I just want to say a a lot of times I I found out that that's my superpower. So people say, what makes you different? Uh, about Mm -hmm. the stock market. I don't have a monopoly on the stock market. It's just, I explain it the way normal, regular, everyday people need to hear it. Cause I was like, well, why didn't they explain it like this? Once I found out how it worked. Mm -hmm. And the other thing about that, that's important to understand is that I am here to make stock trading and option trading simple. And most people will say something like, I heard option trading, that's risky, or that's, uh, that, you know, that's complicated. But then I'm like, well, you bought a house. Was that risky? Was that complicated? Because you just bought a call option when you bought a house. And then when we have time, I'll tell you about put options, which we all participate in as well. And most people just don't even know it. Well, let's just go ahead and hop right in. You just segued (laughs) perfectly into my next segment, which is what are the different types of options and what do they mean? So, you know, you said call, but what exactly is a call or a put option? Yeah. So when you think about call, the easiest way to think about it is you pick up a phone and you call a friend up. So a call option, you usually believe that the price of the asset is going higher or is going up. You believe the stock is going up. You believe the house is going up, whatever the asset is. So typically, if you're buying a call option, you hope the price increases over the next 30, 60, 90 days, whatever the time frame is. The second type of option, and there's only two, there's only calls and there's puts. So put options, think about you put the phone down. So you hang it up, you put the phone down. So when you're buying a put option, you believe the price of something is going down. And the way I like to explain put options, and it's when, when people understand how it works, you're like, oh my God, I didn't know I was participating in put options. So the way a put option works in the stock market is if a stock is trading for $100, let's just say you buy a $90 put. You're basically saying, I can force somebody to buy my stock. I can put it to them at $90. So what happens is some news comes out, the company's going bankrupt, the CEO's a crook, whatever. Stock falls all the way down to $20 a share. Most people are like, oh my God, I just blew up my account. Well, if you had a put option, when it falls down to $10 a share, you can force somebody, you can put it to them at $90. You can make them buy it at 90, even though it's only trading at $10. So basically you can get 90% of your money back from the stock falling from 100 down to 10, but you can get made whole and they'll buy, buy it back at $90 because you have that put option. You can force them. Now, the way I like to explain it in everyday terms, because people might be like, wait, say that again. I didn't get it. Don't worry. Let me give you another example. (laughs) I know they're probably like too many numbers, put, call, what? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. They they usually say don't share numbers on the podcast because people, you know, they start hearing numbers and they zone out. But stick with me. Let me give people an example that they can relate to. And that's why I always like to give the, the technical stock answer and then like mm-hmm. a real life example. So if you drive a car, Tiffany, I'll use your example. You drive a car, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to have insurance on your car. And so what's your, what's like a, well, let's just say your dream car is a Mercedes Benz. It costs $100,000. So you buy this Mercedes Benz for $100,000. You pay maybe $300 in insurance and you pay that every 30 days. So there's the time component. So the asset is the car. Mm -hmm. The $300 is the cost of the put option. And then the strike price or the price that you're saying, hey, I want to insure is $100,000. God forbid you go out here tomorrow, you get into a car accident through no fault of your own, uh, and the car is totaled. The car is now worth $0 is totaled. You will call up your insurance company and exercise that put option. You will say, hey, you now can take this $100,000 car that's worth 0 and you can have it, and you guys have to cut me a check for $100,000. That is how put options work. It can A, protect your account, or you can actually make money from stocks falling by buying put options on stocks that you think are going to go down in value and then forcing somebody to buy it from you at a higher price. Mm, I love that analogy. And see, y'all, just being real with you, I took an investing class as part of my degree and nobody explained options like this. I mean, I understood options based on like the <laughs> the the basic terminology and stuff, but now that he's explaining it, like this is gold, this is gems. Um, so hopefully that um, you know, kind of tells you what call and put options are, but let's take it a step further. Okay. So let's say for instance, we have a person in the audience listening. They're like, I get it. I understand the concepts. Now what? (laughs) Like, how do I get into trading options? Do I need to own stocks or how do how does one get into doing this? Yeah. So the first step is to realize that you're already participating in it in everyday life. We just gave you an example. If you buy a house, you're participating in it. We just gave you an example. If you're driving a car, most people want to protect their car. The other example would be if you have life insurance, you are protecting your life. You are buying a whole life or a term policy for 30 years and saying, hey, um, if something happens to me, I want my family to get cut 300,000, half a million, whatever the case may be. The problem, and we're going to get to the first step. The problem is we're always... The, the average person is usually involved with options, with things that don't make them any money, right? Buying life insurance doesn't make you any money. It's, it's a check that comes out of your bank account every single month in case something happens. Paying for insurance on a depreciating asset like a car, you're buying put options, but you're not buying put options on something that can make you money. So the first step is to say, I'm already participating from a consumer side. How do I get over here and participate from the investment side? And so there's two ways that you can participate. So number one, if you own 100 shares of stock, you can do what I call the rental income strategy. So a lot of people want to go out and buy real estate and buy houses. They don't realize you can do the same thing in a stock market. So if you own 100 shares of stock, you can sell call options against your stock. Then what that simply means is we'll stick with Apple. 
If you own Apple at $100, you can sell a $105 option. And that basically says if Apple goes up to 105, someone will buy it from you at 105. But maybe you get paid $500 for selling that option. So if it doesn't hit 105, you get to keep that $500 and you can do it again in 30 days again. So you can collect $500 in rental income just by owning at least 100 shares and then selling what's called an out of the money option against your Apple shares. So that's one way to get involved with selling options. The other way is to buy options. So if there's a stock that you'd say like, I know the price of Tesla is going up, but I can't afford to own that many shares of Tesla. True, but you can afford to control the stock by buying options. So maybe you can't afford some of the higher price stocks, but you can afford to control the, op the stock for 30 days using the options. So that's one other way that you can get involved is start to look at stuff that you would love to buy, but possibly can't afford and say, but what if I bought the option and then look out 30 days and say, what would have happened had I bought the option? Did it increase or did it decrease? Those are two ways from a call option standpoint. The other way is maybe you have a portfolio of $100,000, 50 or $10,000, doesn't matter. But most people are scared of losing all their money or you hear about stock market crashes or during the pandemic, everyone lost 50% of their account. From a put option standpoint, we know that you can buy insurance on your life and on your car. Most people don't buy insurance on their trading or their investment account. And so you don't have to wake up and wonder, am I going to lose all my money because the Fed hiked interest rates or because the debt ceiling talk is going on right now or because Russia and Ukraine is at war? You can actually buy insurance or protection on your portfolio and you can sleep good at night knowing that if anything happens, you can put that stock or your portfolio to somebody and force them to buy it at the higher price. So what's interesting is when you talk about the put options and you say force someone to buy it, how do you force people to buy them? Like, how does that work? So it's no different than the way you can force your insurance company to pay for your car once it's torn up, right? So sometimes we get to the stock market and we make it more complicated than it is. Insurance company already said, hey, for you paying me $300 a month, I am willing to buy your car at 100000 if something happens to it. Same way with a put option. The person who sold you that put option for $300, they have already agreed in advance that they would be willing to buy it at that price. So if something happens, they can't turn around and say, just kidding, I don't want to buy it at that price anymore. No, no different than your insurance company can't say, just kidding, we really don't want to insure you now that you got into an accident. It's like, no, we already had an agreement. So for them taking your $300, that is the agreement that they entered into. Now, a lot of people may say, well, why would somebody enter into that agreement? Well, no different than the insurance company. They want to insure people that they don't believe will have an accident. In the stock market, people will agree to buy your stock at a lower price because they don't believe it's going lower. So there's always a marketplace. There's somebody that's scared that something may happen. So you're buying the insurance. And there's someone who's willing to take on that risk because they don't think it's going to happen and they can collect that premium every single month. So that's the relationship between the buyer and the seller of put options and the ability to be able to force them to buy something if the price goes lower. They don't think it's going to go lower and you're buying insurance because 
just in case it does, just in case you have an accident in the stock market, you don't want to be out on the streets. Interesting. Interesting. So let me ask one more question because we can't give it all away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but if people were interested in getting started, we, we told them how to get started. Are there any things that they need to be aware of as they're jumping into this? Like, um, I know you mentioned some people are like, oh, but it's risky. Like, of course, any investment is risky. So there's that. But um, is there anything to be aware of as they're thinking about this? Um, investing in options. Yeah, absolutely. So trading options is not risky, no different than driving a car isn't risky. It's the driver that makes it risky. It's the person that drinks alcohol and gets behind the wheel that makes driving a car risky. It's going out on New Year's Eve at midnight when everyone's drinking party and not paying attention that makes it risky. And so it's the same thing with the stock market. If you leave an episode like this and say, I got it all figured out. I'm going to jump in and buy an <laughs> option. It's kind of like drinking and driving. Like you got a little high off the concept and then you just <laughs> went out there and thought you could just go buy an option and then you crash and then you're in trouble. So I would say people need to be aware that the little bit that we gave them is just to get them interested in doing the homework to truly understanding how it works. How do you, uh, so for example, if you're going to buy call options, we told you calls mean you think you're going up. You're going to want to know how to identify if you believe a stock is going up or not. Mm -hmm. So we want to teach people how to read stock charts and identify if we think it's going up. If you're going to buy a put option for protection, you want to know when are the best times to buy a put option for protection. For example, maybe around earnings, when a company releases earnings, which is four times a year, once a quarter, you ever see a company miss earnings and the stock just gets crushed, might be a good time to buy earnings. It's kind of like New Year's Eve, good time to have insurance on in your car when all the drunk drivers are out. Same thing when earnings are coming around. It's a good time to have insurance on your portfolio or specific stock. If the Fed is going to speak and announce if they're raising interest rates, have they ever spoken and the market just tanked or sold off? You want to understand those are moments when you should have put options. So, again, you don't want to just leave here and think you know it. You want to get the information to say, when are the best times to use call options? When are the best times to use put options? What are the storms that I should be looking out for so that I either have the right insurance or when are the good times where I think things are going to move higher so that way I can buy call options and participate in the upside? Because if you get those two wrong or get the timing wrong, you could technically lose all of your money as well. Awesome. Awesome. And see, this is where people need you. Um, so we seg <laughs> segue in right into wrapping this up. And so if people are interested in learning more about options, how to do all the things you just said, or learning more about you, where could they find you? So the best place I would recommend people going is just to my website, which is thebrownreport.com. And on our homepage, we have what's called the Stock Option Starter Pack. And if you download the Stock Option Starter Pack, we walk you through calls, put options, some of the things to look for. We talk about how to open a practice account so you can practice trading options. And we give you a couple more in-depth examples. So if people are super charged about options and like, this makes sense, I got to learn how this works. The best place to go is thebrownreport.com. 
check out the stock option starter pack. And then also my YouTube, my Instagram, all that information is on there as well if they want to connect with me. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. And I will make sure that link is in the show notes for our audience, just in case they're doing something else while they're listening, check the show notes and you can find Jason's info there. So thank you so much, Jason, for coming on the show today. I appreciate you having me and I hope your audience got a lot out of thinking about how options can help them in the future and how they're already participating in it. I'm sure because your analogies are a one. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much for coming and I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. I appreciate you having me. Thanks Tiff. Bye. The information that you hear in this episode is for educational and entertainment purposes only. This is not investment advice. So don't take it as such. Thank you for listening, joining and being a part of the money talk with Tiff podcast this week. You can check Tiff out every Thursday for a new Money Talk podcast. But if you just can't wait until next week, you can listen to previous podcast episodes at moneytalkwitht.com or follow Tiff on all social media platforms at Money Talk with T. Until next time, spend wise by spending less than you make. A word to the money wise is always sufficient.